Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast. I am Dan Hodgman. And I'm Jack Pelzer. Jack, How's how are you doing today? today? I'm doing excellent. Just watching all these assets go in roughly the same direction. Right. They're all looking about the same. Uh, markets are down a little bit here today. Uh, my quote board is relatively red. Um, no surprise, I don't think. No. There's clearly been a move by the Fed to try and decrease asset prices, among other things. And I would say that they are succeeding, if that's what uh, Mr. Powell, Jay Powell, wanted to do yesterday. He accomplished that, and we'll dive more into that in today's topic. Absolutely. Let's get a quick uh, breakdown of what happened in these markets here today. Crude oil uh, stayed inside for the most part, opened up. We saw a nice little push up to $89, but uh, ending our day right on the lows, right near where we uh, are low off our open. Um, we came down to 88 bucks there. Now, no surprise here. Um, I mentioned on the forecast, for those of you that weren't there, I am filling in for John Hoagland this week on the market forecast these last couple days. Um, it did exactly as expected. Hangover day, as I've always called it. Um, these markets were a little confused after yesterday's big move, which Jack and I are going to talk about. Um, but for the most part, down on the day. Um, you saw a nice little pop in the S&Ps uh, right after the open. It tried to get higher. It moved up to our short time frame, 30-minute moving average, or 30-minute 20 EMA. Um, and really just held there all day long until here at the end of the day, um, kind of a little bit of sell-off. And the NASDAQ, very similar. Uh, NASDAQ maintained a little bit lower day, um, nonetheless still pretty quiet there. Gold, on the other hand, once gold opened up here today, uh, it started to bounce off its lows. So it made its lows right before the open, um, and from there on out, it tried to grind higher. <clears throat> Did not get all the way back up to settlements right around 1650, uh, but made an attempt. It's about 17 bucks short of that at the moment. Euro, uh, we saw the um, Bank of England came out this morning, raised their rates. Uh, Euro, not hugely impacted by that one, um, continuing this downtrend that it's been in for quite some time. Um, the dollar to the Euro, uh, 97.80 right now. So pretty interesting there. And the 10-year note, that one gave a little bit of two-way trade. Um, off the open, rallies all the way up to high side of the deviation off of VWAP. That's one of my favorite things to look at. Bounces off that deviation, rolls right back down to VWAP, um, and then we get a nice little bounce once again. So some two-way trade in there based off of just some simple indicators to be looking at. The NASDAQ is really converging back slowly to its overperformance since the um since the pandemic, since the recession then. It's interesting that what's really fueling that right now is somewhat of a rotation, not so much that the smaller cap things are doing better, just relatively better compared to the big boys are finally getting killed. So we'll talk about the Fed, but I just want to give a little update. I got my chart here where I am looking at the performance in 2022 so far. So starting at you know the beginning of this year, I have... Apple, we're going to the fangs or whatever they call them now. Uh, Apple down 22%. That is the bell of the ball there. Uh, Tesla's down 39%. Google down 42%. Amazon 46%. Netflix 55%. And who is bringing up the rear? It is like Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince. It is the company formerly known as Facebook. Meta is down 74 percent since uh the beginning of this year what's i was just thinking about this i have not looked this stat up dan is it possible that this move in meta has been the biggest 
destruction of wealth, at least on paper, of any company ever. Of an indestructible business. <laughs> well, I think about it this way. It's only it was only what you know, five years ago, somewhere around there, where we had our first ever trillion dollar company, which uh, was Apple. And it wasn't even five years ago, I don't think. Yeah, it was probably. It was. I don't want to look it up right now, but it, it was. It was recently, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So, given that Facebook was nearly a trillion dollars and is down seventy five percent. That erasure of $750 billion might be the largest loss of uh, market cap ever. I, it, maybe it gets beaten by the fact that Apple is so big that just being down, I have to look at the, it, It's close. But uh, either way, that's a big shock to the NASDAQ, which is very heavy in those companies. It's an interesting topic to bring up, Jack. I mean, and you think about it, here's why, where I look at it. What happened when the pandemic began? Everyone was taking their extra cash and they were investing. Like I had people that friends of mine that had never had interest in the stock market were calling me, where do I invest? Tech stocks, right? Like we know working from home environment, people are going to be at home. Tech is probably a good place to put some cash. Uh, There's some good opportunity. You saw a ton of companies kind of explode. You saw Peloton explode and now it's starting to implode. Um, Starting. It's that's dead. <laughs> Peloton's dead. Jack, you want to buy my Peloton? It's sitting right there. It's basically, you know, like new. I can put a new seat on it. I'll sell it to you for uh, for a good deal. Um, Maybe. I have an iPad and a bike. I can figure it out. <laughs> uh, but so you had a lot of these companies that now that life has kind of gone back to normal, is that what, impacting some of these tech stocks? You know, it's tough to tell. I don't think, you know, Apple... Yes, they're a tech company, but they're selling a physical product. Um, Peloton, yes, it's a tech company, but they're also selling a physical product. But Facebook, strictly tech, they're not selling a physical product. But now they're trying to sell a fabricated or a tech universe that you're living in. Even worse, so a similar environment but different reasons. The reason Apple's doing the best is, as you said, they mostly sell a physical uh, product, but they sell a whole lot more than that. I mean, they're talking about... Apple is just out left and right murdering companies, right? They really may be killing Facebook through their changes in the tracking policy and uh, Google in that way. A bunch of startups as far as finance. So Apple's been sitting on $200 billion in cash for years, and now they're using it, you know, soon on Apple Pay. You'll be able to, like, with any purchase you make, divide it in four installments at zero interest or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, crazy good. I mean, they're just they're down. The whole market's down. You look at the others. You classified Google and Apple as tech companies to some extent. They are, but where they make their money is advertising. They're really advertising companies. The biggest advertising monopolies ever. When the economy starts feeling the pinch, the first thing that gets cut are marketing and ad budgets, and that is why they have both been annihilated. Facebook more so because, as you said, no one knows what the hell Zuckerberg is doing with this whole virtual <laughs> Zoom meeting thing. I mean, maybe I, mean, I saw I saw something recently. It was like some famous musician is having a concert in the metaverse, and just like I'm a younger guy, I'm in the I'm a millennial, and I struggled to understand. Like I'm not a boomer, I'm not that old, um, but yet. I struggled to understand what that even means. Like, do you just log onto your computer and watch a concert on your computer? Why would I pay for that when I could just go to YouTube and get that for free with maybe a couple ads in between? 
it's unusual to see a company so big uh, like working so much in sort of trying to build a new industry, trying to be a unicorn and build it from scratch. It's just, it's hard through this like adoption and creation phase to be, it's just not, you're not going to have any people out there right now buying these super expensive headsets and doing it. Maybe that'll change very quickly, you know. Oh, is that, you need to have the big I, face I, mask thing for them? See, I don't even know. I don't even know. Well, that's the thing because no one talks about it. It's not like, and maybe this is how the internet felt early in the day or something like that. I'm not saying that this is not the future. I'm not going to prognosticate on that. But I think that it's just, it's not the discussion everywhere, right? Like, I don't know anybody that does this. Well, it would be easier if it was, like, easily, easily explained. Like, when Facebook launched, I remember when it launched. I remember to get access to it. This was what everyone talked about. Like, I remember going to college and them saying, sending out, like, a letter in the mail, join Facebook to meet your new um, classmates. And it was, like, you because you had to have a college email address to get logged into Facebook, and then it directed you right to people that were going to be your same age, your freshman yeah, year in college. I was one of the first five to 10,000 users on Facebook because of my age exactly. The school I went to was, like, the... It was early, like there was one of the first 10 or 20 schools. And I happened to graduate high school and the summer before I went in was when it, this all happened. If you've seen the social network, that stuff. I have a buddy that was a guy I used to work with that was at Harvard when it all took place. It wasn't one of the, the Winklevi, was it? It was not. Um, it was a trader uh, that, that I used sense. to trade with um, that was at Harvard at the time. And he, I've heard the stories. I mean, I, it was wild. It's a big swing. That is true that they're trying to do over at Facebook. But that's contributing to what's happening in the NASDAQ. The S&P right now has been much more resilient. We're still waiting to see who wins the $5 on $35 or 4000 this time. We're kind of smack in the middle again. But the reason we had some uh, acceleration in the last couple of days, I think it's worth talking about. We can get back to some of these tech things of why this sell-off is happening right now. And it kind of all goes back to the Fed yesterday. So I can, yeah. you want me to start with this? So yesterday, go ahead. Jay Powell announced the fourth consecutive 0.75 uh, increase in the Fed funds rate up to 4%. That was 100% expected. And the markets actually, the equity markets rallied off of that information. But then came the presser where he was a little bit less dovish, more hawkish, however you want to think about it, than people were expecting. And it crashed. You know, it was a 4 or 5% swing from where the NQ was until then. So the name of the game now, it kind of sucks to be stuck in this cycle, is now we wait for CPI again. Right now, the expectations people have for where this all ends are about 5.1%. So some people are thinking it'll go to a half percent next time a half percent the next time and then maybe a quarter percent but that's been adjusting like crazy so yeah, any deviation from that you can't bank on it and i'll tell you what i want to talk a little bit about trading that number um it's something we have seen historically a number of times um we've talked about this a lot top step recently dropped there you know you can trade through economic release rule you 100% can. I'm not saying you can't do it. I will say from a risk standpoint, I watched this yesterday, a number of traders trying to catch that quick move. 
up and down and and watching them get in and out and i contacted a couple to say hey let's just slow it down we don't know where this thing's going right you hear a number i spoke to some traders yesterday like that i know outside of top step like hey this number fundamentally if they're going to raise rates by three quarters of a basis point that should move stocks lower but what has happened the last two the previous two rate hikes same thing happened market started to grind lower throughout the day number came out it spikes um, we didn't get the lower push down because the rhetoric afterwards was a little bit different, but we're seeing it here that this big move off the number is, you know, classic. Hey, we think this is what's going to happen. It actually happens as expected. Holy cow. Here comes volatility. No one really knows where this market's going to go. So being patient when these numbers come out is key. Can I pick your brain on that? When you yeah. say, cause I don't see the risk board at the time when you say they're trying to do a quick trade off the fed number can you give me an example of like what they're trying to do are they holding it through it like a gamble or are they waiting for the initial move and then what are they fading it trying going to catch with it? just trying to catch that momentum move right like you we know at one o'clock yesterday afternoon volatility was going to hit and what happened on the number it shot right down i mean nasdaq was down 50 points in like two seconds um, so the initial instinct is, oh, it's starting to go lower, sell, 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 and they're chasing it down. And by the time they get their fill in, the market now starts to bounce, and then it's rallying higher. And and I'm we're looking, you know, if you're looking at a 30 minute bar, it doesn't look too too crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy enough, but like if you're looking shorter time frame, you're seeing these more pullbacks in and out, and you're catch yourself chasing, and it just eats up that PNL. So I've always said it this way: there are two things that happen after a number. There is the emotion to the number, and then there's the reaction post-emotion. So you get this emotional blip, and then, okay, here's the number. Here's the information we can now digest. Here's the reaction, and which is what we saw. If you look on a 30-minute, you saw the first 30 minutes ripped higher after the number. That was this emotion, like, oh, my gosh, it happened as expected. Start peeling stuff off. And then boom, then the reaction. Okay, now we're hearing Powell talk. It makes sense. Market should move lower. Now we can sell. Naturally, what happened. And if you catch yourself chasing that, that's where you really start to struggle. It's like, you know, you're saying, here's the top. I'm buying. I mean, I'm going to sell it on this push higher, or I'm going to, you know, pick and bop tops and bottoms. That's what happens when you're trying to chase that momentum. It's really hard to be successful in an outright position on momentum trades. That's a tough trade to make for many reasons, but I think my biggest guidance, so to speak, there would be if you're trying to wait for the initial move. So before you could even click on things, there's all these tape reading algos that are going wild back and forth. To make that work, so it moves down, you're gonna try and sell it right away. Okay, so the moves initially already happened, is you're gonna need a huge continuation to make that work one that's probably unlikely i don't know what it would be how many times out of 10 but an unlikely that it'll just go shoot down and then go the, the 100 points or whatever you're gonna need to make that trade work and you, you got to remember it's almost sort of like thinking about like volume profile or something like that in the initial like seconds after that all of the big institutional money and other stuff they're kind of sitting to wait to see what happens and so while there may be like a huge move, it's not like that many contracts actually traded right away in that time, as opposed to, say, during normal liquidity, if you were to wipe through 50 points. 
So price discovery wise, it's really unclear where that's going to end up. You have no idea what other products, most algos and things like that are hedging in other markets or like auto spreaders that I used to work on. So you could just be seeing the artifacts of people hedging positions very quickly, not caring about price and not really what the actual move is until it starts to fill in. You're spot on, Jack. You're talking about not caring about price. What happens to a large position trader when the market moves 10, 10 points? Their job is to hedge their position. They have a system that says, if the market goes up 10, buy another one or sell another one, but depending you know, their net overall position. So they're not going flat, flat, just because an FOMC number is coming out. They are trying to be as delta neutral. And so their job is to expand how many or to minimize how many buys and sells they have to make for every 10 point move. Or if it's a, you know, bonds, it's a one tick move, right? Like how much you actually have to buy and sell. So you want to keep your delta as neutral as possible. So you're doing less activity. But when a market moves, looking at the S&P right now, that market moved off the number from 3840 up to 3900. So you've got a massive massive move quick up and then a quick down and they don't care about the price because their job is to maintain delta neutral they're not looking to create this big windfall profit on that number it's strictly i have to manage my position market's going up okay that means buy another five buy another five buy another five or maybe it's sell another five sell another five sell another five because as the market moves depending on if you're net short or net long it all, it all varies, but that's all that's happening. They're not looking for big trade. They're waiting for this market to determine where it's going to go based off of the information it's received. Those initial moves are not information received. Jack, you talked about it. Let me ask you this. When you were managing those algos and those automated software numbers like this, what is one of the things they're taught to do in those systems? They're so smart. They're taught to on big, volatile moves. They, they, they drop out. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what's happening. They're dropping out and they are mar that's like the market making that's in there these days. We never held you would never hold the only positions that you would hold through the Fed and granted I was doing this at a time when overall volatility was lower and you know, interest rates were lower, lack of volatility was the problem, but even then the only things we would hold were either very very short duration spreads that don't move a lot think about like the two-year basis or small positions in butterflies that were theoretically hedged mostly for outright risk and hedged adequately for curve risk there's no reason we would we we were a big trading firm we wouldn't take uh speculative positions through a number like this because anything can happen and if you we, do oh go, go ahead. ahead no go 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 ahead and if you do, it kind of brings to the second part of the Fed trade is you're doing something I don't like to do, which we talk about not trading right towards the end of the day if you have to get out because the time limit is not a good thing to have. If you are trying to trade right up that 1 p.m. number and go with the move and do it, you don't have long for that to work out because if you're smart, no matter what, you're going to dump it before the presser that comes what is it, either 15 or 30 minutes later, because that's going to be an other unpredictable thing that could send it both ways. So you're essentially betting that I'm going to do this right now and it's got to work out shortly. Right. You're not giving yourself an opportunity for that trade to actually play out. It has to either work or it's not going to work. And how are you managing your risk in that? 
Yeah. Right. Like one of the biggest things for developing as a trader and every trader is always developing throughout their entire career is to trade strategies that are repeatable. Trying to trade during a number is not going to be repeatable that creates these momentum or FOMO moves. Jack, you know, talking about you guys going flat and trading certain things, how we would handle this, which I think is an interesting back and forth. When I had a number coming out, we were usually pretty neutral on our delta. And again, we were options traders, so we, everything was based off of our Greeks, right? Determining what our risks were. And our delta was telling us, you know, this is what it is if it moves up here and moves down here. We understood our delta. So I would spend 10, 15, 20 minutes before that number stacking my order book on either side because I know I can't keep up with it, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be chasing the buy all the way up and then get a bad buy up top and then have it break out to the downside. So I would stack my order book and say, okay, I need to buy three every 10 ticks. And so I would buy three every 10, I would set it and I need to sell three every 10 ticks to the downside. And I would set myself up that way. No matter what happened, I was protecting my, protecting my, my capital, protecting my risk and not trading it because the number happened. Rather, I have to protect myself. And I know every 10 ticks, I have to buy or sell three. It was as simple as that. And I'd let it happen. And you'd hear the computer, you'd hear the, I had order filled, order filled. (laughs) And it was like chasing and it was talking so fast and you'd, everyone would hear it and you'd hear it from every computer around. Those were, those were kind of hectic times. I do think for people who are trading outrights out there, if you're going to trade, it's one of the few times I don't usually like the afternoon as much. I think that if you must trade on it later in the day, you know, at two or three o'clock, I don't hate the idea of going with whatever move is happening around then, as long as you are going to, you know, hold it for a good multiple of uh, reward versus risk. They do, I think it did some yesterday. They do tend to, I feel like drift at that point, but it's the time right around there between uh, say noon and two or whatever that I think is kind of a dangerous time to be trying to do anything like that. Oh, 100%. Just be patient. Like it all comes down to one of the best pieces of advice my dad ever gave me was no one trade's going to make or break you as a trader. And that goes to one day. No one day is what's going to, you know, either end your trade. Don't ever let it end your trading career and don't let it ever be the day you talk about forever. Don't have that mentality. And FOMC days, if you're an equities trader or a treasury trader or heck, a gold trader or a euro trader, like we can go across the board. Those things, yeah. Those Fed days, you don't know what's going to, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And is it worth the risk? I can honestly sit here and tell you for me, trading outrights, it is never worth the risk. And I'll sit on my hands all to- all day on those. I don't mind. I agree. Um, I've seen people just blow up spectacularly on those days with position sizes you wouldn't think you'd be able to do that on i remember right. during I mean, like the operation twist uh so people just getting exploded like s&ps went from 3900 down to 3780 in a 30 minute span less than 30 minutes it made that move i mean excuse me less than an hour it made that move excuse me that's <laughs> that's it's a lot of move it's 120 points in the s&p to rip lower like that and yes you can get out right by the second by that half hour you know a half hour after the number things are a little bit more liquid but again emotions take over and maybe you end up saying it's going to come back it's going to come back you don't know how you're going to react in it 
and that's there's nothing wrong with sitting in your hands. Now, again, I'm not saying don't trade it, but I'm telling you how I would handle it, and I would not trade it. I feel like I'm having a little bit of a uh, like a, a brain fart here with the scheduling of the Fed. They don't usually do these meetings at this time. Is this like a November type thing, or like don't they? They're every six them? weeks. Every six weeks. That's every what it six is. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So we get the relatively rare on the year calendar combo of the unemployment report coming out tomorrow, right? Yep. Unemployment's tomorrow. That'll be a big one, too. I don't know what's off the top of my head. The Fed doesn't, they're not even allowed to know it in advance, I don't believe. It's just the Bureau of, I, I think they, they siphon people off. I knew someone who used to work for the BEA or whatever, and it really is kind of cordoned off where you're working on something, but you don't know how it's going to input anything else. They really try and keep that under the radar. Oh, 100%. I know a guy that used to do work on it too. Um, wild stories hearing about it. Yeah, it, it, it's cool. We'll see what happens. That's our first taste because now the next two big numbers is we have that and then we kind of got to wait for CPI, which I, I mean, Powell's been beating this uh, pretty hard, I would say. I'm, I'm wondering to see when the... I mean, the data is kind of backwards looking in some ways, but I feel like at some point there's going to be, there's got to be some progress being made at some point. We'll see. Right? I we mean, it's see. inevitable, right? I mean, we keep in mind we are now approaching close to that one-year mark of super high inflation numbers. Um, obviously, inflation's been up for the last couple of years, but now we're starting, again, we look year over year. So That'll whipsaw pretty quick, right? Yeah. Because... You know, we just, it happened pretty quickly. So that went on. I mean, I think they're mostly probably, I'll be looking at the month to month, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. who knows? The data has been so hard to get to the upside. Who knows if other weird stuff will happen? I am just fascinated for this unemployment number and then CPI coming up. CPI is the one I'm less interested for me personally in unemployment as I am for CPI. CPI is the one that's what, you know. It's been a big reaction number for quite some time. Um, and I, I would say not to discount any of them when these numbers come out. Just get flat. Like trade before them maybe, maybe trade after them. But when they come out, we don't know. We can have an idea. We all knew yesterday Powell was going to increase rates. We all knew that was going to happen. Like there, there's no question about it. And pretty confident it was going to be close to 75 basis points. Again, pretty understood but we don't know how that market's going to react you, you got, might be able to pull some voodoo on us on a sim but like say you know i'm just gonna take a bet and keep a tight stop on it and uh right. you know i'll lose a little or make a ton it's, that doesn't happen in real life like exactly. maybe it'll work on a sim but i agree with you i would stay flat outright and then wait a little while let it digest and then feel free to generally go with that trend without a doubt all right. Well, that's all I got for here today, Dan. Anything else we have announced as far as top step? No, I just say get out and vote. Everyone's, yeah. uh We got midterms, so get out oh, there Oh, that's vote. the other big thing. There'll be a lot of vol <laughs> yeah. beware. I forgot all about that. Beware. I, I don't know. Unless it'll probably take a little while, but beware of some of the moves. Historically, those moves tend to reverse and stuff. P people. All overnight stuff. Yeah. You know, what, what? what is it, Monday? Is it Monday? Tuesday yeah, is the election. Tuesday, excuse me. Tuesday night, you know, 
every you're gonna hear every whatever news channel you're watching for results they're gonna talk about the markets the whole time yeah um, and we won't probably change. unless it's a big off one way or the other we're probably not gonna know a ton until very late that night but something to be careful about especially if maybe you're outside the u.s and you're not familiar with the wacky ways we do things here speaking of outside the u.s um and inside the u.s another update um i know the outside the u.s europe in particular because i had a meeting with someone in europe today and their time change their time zone already changed united states hasn't we are changing this weekend um so roll those clocks back a little bit so that uh you're not caught trading when you don't want to be trading that's good info there so great can't wait it's gonna be dark at 4 30 in the afternoon in chicago after that so i'll make the best of it so uh thanks for listening today or watching us as it would be everyone sorry for the stream trouble earlier but that's just what happens when you're in the workplace environment virtual uh we'll be back next week with something new for you and maybe some breakdown of what happened in the midterms not from a political standpoint there's a lot of people doing that we'll just talk about <laughs> we don't need it we don't need we'll talk about that. like three futures products and sling it out right so it'll be good fun so we'll see you then namaste trade well The Limit Up Podcast is a presentation of Top Step. Check us out at topstep.com to learn more about our futures trading combine and how you can become a funded trader. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.